We're going to read from the Bible now, John chapter 17. After Jesus said this, he looked up towards heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people, that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them, By the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them and kept them safe by that name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may have the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them. For they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them, I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, 
I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me, because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. This is God's word. Morning, everyone. My name's Scott. I'm the assistant minister. Um, uh, Let me add my welcome. Uh, This is the first of three sermons. Uh, We'll be looking at John 17 and this extraordinary prayer of Jesus uh, as he prays to the Father approaching the cross. Uh, So as we turn to it, we're just looking at the first five verses uh, this morning. There's a lot in there, uh, the key verses. So let's pray uh, as we turn to God's word together. Our Father, we praise you that you have spoken to us. We praise you that through your word you reveal what you're like, all that you have done for us in the Lord Jesus. Please show us more of him this morning in his name. Amen. wonder as you look back on the, the sweep of your life, where is uh, the moment of glory? Uh, what is that, uh, the moment that you look back and you think, yeah, that is where uh, I had a, a, a little glimpse of glory. Uh, it's the sort of thing that you would frame and put on your wall. Uh, so maybe it's, uh, maybe it's an academic achievement, a certificate of some sort, uh, swimming national curriculum or above, anything will do. Um, maybe it's uh, a picture of your family, uh, a special uh, portrait that you had commissioned, uh, a special photograph that reminds you of, of that. Maybe it's a sporting achievement, a trophy, uh, or some other token of, of the moment uh, where you were the center of attention, you were uh, glorious. And if you come to our flat in Finsbury Park, which you're all very welcome to do, maybe not all at the same time, but um, uh, up in Finsbury Park, uh, on our wall, uh, we've got um, an oar um, uh, that is my moment of glory. Uh, I'll not tell you all about it uh, right now because it would take too long. Um, uh, but it's a, um, I nearly brought it in, but it, it is quite large. It's a 10-foot uh, long um, oar that you go rowing with, um, wooden oar, and it's sort of painted uh, beautifully. It's got my name on it and the name of various others on it. Um, it, it, it that was, uh, I'm, I'm not particularly athletic. That is my um, one moment of athletic glory. Um, and it's not even uh, that impressive. If I told you the story, you wouldn't actually be that impressed how I, how I managed to, to win that. Um, the, the memento is very impressive. Uh, it fills a whole wall. But um, the achievement in itself is, is not that great. But that's, that's about as close as I get uh, to glory. What would it be for you? Um, it's a slightly intangible thing, glory, isn't it? Uh, what actually is it? What do we mean uh, when we talk about it? Um, it is that, that honor that praise, that, uh, that recognition for something uh, deserving. What then brings God glory? Um, if I can put it this way, what would God have on his wall uh, as his record of that moment of glory? Well, this, the passage this morning, as Jesus approaches uh, his death, uh, Jesus makes clear that it is the cross, that the cross is his moment of glory. It's not what we might expect. It's not where we would choose uh, to display our glory. But it is the cross where God's glory is displayed most 
uh, clearly and most fully. That's what we'll see uh, this morning as we look at this prayer in John 17. That at the cross is where God is glorified because it is the cross that gives life and it is the cross that reveals God. And we'll see two implications of that uh, for us. That if we want to see God's glory, we look at the cross. And if we want to bring God glory, we trust in the cross. That's where we're going this morning. And So as we uh, drop into this chapter in John, uh, we haven't been looking at John for a while. So let me give you, uh, just remind you uh, where we're up to and orient us a bit uh, to John 17. And the first half of John's gospel was all about um, the, uh, Jesus revealing the Father. Uh, so he did all these uh, signs to point uh, to the Father. Um, he did uh, the miracles culminating in uh, his raising of Lazarus, uh, bringing a man back from the dead uh, to show that he has power uh, to give life. Now in the second half of John's gospel, um, Jesus is returning to the Father. Jesus gives life, but the religious leaders uh, want to kill him for it. They want him dead. And so as Jesus is returning to the Father, he prepares the disciples for his departure. Chapters 13 uh, through 17 are all the the night before Jesus dies. You get the washing of the feet and, and Jesus teaching his disciples. But now in chapter 17, as we look at it, Uh, Jesus stops speaking to the disciples and he turns to pray, uh, to pray to his Father. Uh, And the disciples and us uh, have the wonderful privilege of listening in uh, to this prayer as the Son speaks to his Father on the night before uh, his death. And as Jesus opens his prayer, um, we see, don't we, one thing uh, is on his mind. Glory. Uh, We get it right there in verse 1. Uh, look down again. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. We, we get God's glory all the way through at the sweep of the Bible. Um, in the Old Testament, it's, it's about two things, God's glory, two things. Uh, we see God's glory in his saving work, first of all. Um, so in Exodus, God declares that he will glorify himself uh, through uh, Pharaoh and Pharaoh's armies and bringing his people out. As God saves his people, God is glorified. The second way we see God's glory in, in the Old Testament is when God appears uh, to his people, uh, when he makes himself known uh, in, in, a, in a physical way. Um, so you get God's glory in, in the thunder and the cloud of fire and smoke um, that, that the people are just terrified at in awe of as God comes to give the law and provide for his people um, as he comes and dwells with his people in the tabernacle and then later the temple God's glory with his people uh, is an awesome and a terrifying thing God is making himself known in glory so his saving work and his making known making himself known are how we see God's glory so we fast forward to the New Testament we get to John And John's gospel opens by saying, we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. And we're thinking, wow, this is, this is big. We have seen his glory. 
And yet, as you sort of look through John at the things that Jesus does, um, if you're looking for God's glory, it's not quite as impressive as um, destroying the armies of Egypt and saving his people and uh, cloud and thunder and smoke and fire. It's a little, little underwhelming up to this point. So then, uh, when you hear Jesus in verse 1 pray, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, that your Son may glorify you. You get to that point, you hear that, and you think, yes, this, this is it. At last, uh, we, get, uh, we get that sort of glory. We get the glory that we have been looking for. Except when you read the rest of John, um, you know that when Jesus talks about the hour or the hour, as most people here would say, I, I'm going to say, rather than, rather than changing it, I'm just going to say it, the hour. So you know what I'm talking about. The hour is the hour. The hour. Uh, when Jesus talks about the hour, um, he isn't talking about some moment of, uh, of worldly glory. He's talking about his death. And the whole way through, at the first half of John, Jesus has been saying, the hour has not yet come. But then um, flick back a few pages uh, with me to John 12. Um, just back a few pages from where we were. So the whole way through, the hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. And then in John 12, uh, that changes. Verse 23 of John 12. Verse 23 of John 12. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Okay, so there we get it. We get the hour linked with glory again. But then look what he goes on to speak about. Very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Down to verse 27. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The hour of Jesus' glory is the hour of his death. And so the first uh, very obvious thing really that, that our passage this morning teaches us is that God's glory is displayed at the cross. God's glory is displayed at the cross. As Jesus prays, glorify your son, He is praying that God would take him to the cross. That should should stop us in our tracks and take our breath away. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. Take me uh, to the cross. Um, It it turns all our sort of vain notions of glory just totally on its head. The moment then at which we will see God's glory revealed most clearly, Jesus says, is when he hangs on the cross. That is where God is glorified. If you've, um, if you've been a Christian for a while, it, that may not take you by surprise, um, but it, it should surprise us, shouldn't it? It should surprise us because the cross doesn't look all that glorious. It doesn't look at all glorious. Those who just a day later will watch Jesus die will not see glory. The world now uh, looks at the cross and it doesn't see glory. 
It sees failure. It sees a waste. It sees a brutal and violent and shameful death. It doesn't see glory. It doesn't match uh, our view of glory. When we think what is glorious, we don't think uh, of that. And we think of our, our great achievements, uh, something uh, that gives us recognition, something that is beautiful. And we think sunset, don't we? we that's probably when we use the word glory most. We, what a glorious uh, sky, what a glorious sunset. But God's glory is not a sunset, it's the cross. Um, The Bible does tell us that creation displays God's glory, but supremely, ultimately, uh, we see God's glory on the cross. And and it's important, isn't it, that we get this, because sometimes uh, we can talk about uh, uh, Jesus' death being suffering and then glory. Um, You know, he endures the suffering and then is glorified. And the Bible does, at at points, talk, talk in those sort of terms. But it isn't just that Jesus suffers and then is glorified, so here Jesus is praying that he'd be glorified at his suffering as he hangs on the cross and as he does it willingly. It's not a sort of self-centered seeking of glory. Um, it's not, ooh, ooh, me, me, look at me. This glory, uh, Jesus prays for this glory in order that he might glorify uh, the Father. Glory in John is always linked Uh, The relationship is always between the Father and the Son. That is where glory is seen. Their glory is inseparable. And we like to think that something glorious is all about us, isn't it? What glorifies me? What lifts me up? What is my great achievement? But Jesus' desire is that his Father would be glorified. At points in life, we get a, a sort of glimpse of shared glory, don't we? And if you remember back to the summer when um, Geraint Thomas won the Tour de France, there he is parading around in his uh, yellow shirt flanked by, I don't know, various bike girls or whatever they were, and, um, you know, handed flowers, and, um, and, he, and he comes home and he's got the hero's welcome. Uh, he, he was glorified. And yet as the sort of week went on where this was being celebrated, more and more people sort of got swept up uh, in, that, in that glory. Um, I remember seeing an interview where they, they went back to his old primary school you know, and interviewed the first person who'd ever um, taught him how to ride a bike, um, where he, the shop that he'd bought his first bike at, his old cycling club. Uh, and more and more people uh, kind of got swept up in this glory. I mean, at one point it felt like the whole of Wales was being sort of, you know, glorified. Uh, Wales produced this, this great athlete. Uh, what glory for Wales. Good on Wales. And that sort of, that sort of shared glory, uh, we do see a little bit in the world, but how much more glorifying, uh, the, 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 how much more does the glory of the Son result in the glory of the Father? And because it's not, a, it's not just an accidental glory, I don't, he doesn't just get swept up along in it. Um, it's not indirect, oh, I happen to have this vague link uh, to Geraint Thomas. No, the Father sends the Son, the Son does the Father's work, and as the Son is glorified, so the Father is glorified. Um, just a little side note um, here. I think um, this is a massive challenge to our own prayers. And we've got to be careful here because this is not, in a sense, a model prayer. 
Um, Jesus is uh, the eternal son of God at a very unique point in history. But I think it does, it does challenge, uh, certainly challenge me this week as I was thinking about how do I pray? And I was praying about this sermon as I was prepping. Um, and so often my prayer is closer uh, to, um, Lord, please make this sermon really good because I'd quite like people to think that I'm doing quite a good job uh, and uh, they think it's great and that you know, they think, oh, it was worth getting this guy in. My prayer is much closer to that than actually wanting God to be glorified, even, even in a passage about God's glory. Maybe as, um, as you, uh, I don't know, apply for a promotion at work, uh, how easy it is for prayer to become, um, Lord, it'd be great if I, if I got this promotion, um, because then uh, others, I would have more influence, I'd have more responsibility, uh, others would respect me uh, more, the extra pay would be, would be great too, I could do great things with that. Wonders as, as we apply for that promotion, would we be willing to pray, Lord, glorify yourself through this? Whether that is through raising me up to it, or whether it's me staying where I am and doing that work for your glory. It's a challenge to our prayer, isn't it? But back to our passage, the, the, the glory that Jesus asks for is fully bound up with the glory of the Father. Uh, in verse 5, Jesus will be given uh, glory that he had before the world began. Look at what he says in verse 5. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. It's kind of a strange thing to say, but even, even though the cross hasn't happened yet, um, the glory of the Son, the glory of the Lamb, has always been the glory of the cross. And forever, the glory of the Lamb will be the glory of the cross. And forever, uh, we will be joining in the song, Revelation 5, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. We will, we will spend all eternity, if you're a Christian here this morning, we will spend all eternity praising Jesus for the cross marveling at it because it is at the cross that Jesus is glorified as he dies according to the Father's will. And, and so as we look at it, let, let's marvel at it now. Let's not wait uh, until we reach uh, the new creation uh, to see God's glory displayed at the cross. Let's not wait until we get there to praise him for it. It's so easy to become um, dull to the message of the cross, isn't it? If you've been in church any length of time, um, most weeks, you know, we, we come together and we're hearing of the cross. It's easy to become dull to that, but it, sh- it should never uh, become dull uh, to us. It is where we see God's glory. Jesus uh, leaves us in no doubt that the hour of his glory is the hour of the cross. But one, one big question remains then, why? Why is it that we see God's glory most clearly, most fully at the cross? Why not um, in creation? Why not in some other way, some, something a bit grander, a bit more impressive? Why at the cross? 
Well, the answer, I think, takes us back to how God displayed his glory in the Old Testament. Remember what we said about God's glory in the Old Testament? We saw it through his saving work and through his making himself known to his people, through his appearing to his people. The cross, then, is where we see God's glory most clearly because it is his, it is his ultimate saving work. And it is the place where he makes himself known fully and finally. And we'll look at each of those in turn. His saving work on the cross and his revealing of himself. Firstly, then, it is the cross that gives life. If you're following along on the sheets, the heading's slightly different. I've changed it a bit. It is the cross that gives life. Look down again at our passage. Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. See, the cross is the place where we see God's glory because it is at the cross that God saves his people, where he gives them the gift of eternal life. It is his ultimate saving work, and he is glorified as Savior at the cross. And we see it again in verse 2, don't we, that how both the Father and the Son are involved in this life-giving work. The Father gives the Son authority over all people and gives God's people to the Son. And the Son then gives them, those people, eternal life. Those who've been given by the Father, the Son gives eternal life. And there is something extraordinary, isn't there, when someone gives up their life for another, gives up their life that another might live. Um, it's why uh, we rightly honor those who do so. We, we do that in lots of different ways, don't we? Um, I don't know if you've ever been to um, uh, the Memorial of Heroic Self-Sacrifice, uh, which is in um, Postman's Park in the city of London. It's sort of tucked away uh, beside a little church. Um, if you're ever down that way, Postman's Park. Um, it, it's a sort of series of um, uh, memorials, really, tiles, uh, commemorating uh, those who gave their lives to save others. I mean, it's sort of put there in Victorian times, so they're sort of all from uh, the late 19th, early 20th century. But it honors those who have given their life so that others might live. It's a, it's a deeply moving um, experience if you, if you go and you sort of read them. They're, they're, they're just little succinct descriptions of, of what each person did. Now, let me give you just a few. And we had uh, Mary Rogers, stewardess of the Stella, which is a ship, March the 30th, 1899, self-sacrifice by giving up her life belt and voluntarily going down in the sinking ship. We got Amelia Kennedy, age 19, died in trying to save her sister from their burning house in Stoke Newington, October 18th, 1871. David Selves, age 12, off Woolwich supported his drowning playfellow and sank with him clasped in his arms. September 12th, 1886. They gave their life that someone else might live. And that's, that's an achievement worth hanging on your wall, isn't it? And how much more then uh, is God glorified as Jesus gives his life so that others might live? And not in a 
a spontaneous act of heroism that, that gives up their life for, for the sake of one. But as part of the eternal plan of God, Father, Son, and Spirit, to give eternal life through the cross to all who would trust in him. And the cross is what it takes to give you and I eternal life. Us who by rights have no part, no share in God's glory. But Jesus does that for us by laying down his life at the cross. And so God is glorified at the cross because it is the cross where he saves. It's not just that though, is it? It's not just that the cross, at the cross God does something great uh, and his saviour. And look at verse 3. In verse 3, we see what life, the life that Jesus gives, is all about. It's about knowing God. Now, this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. This is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. See, the other reason why the cross is where we see God's glory displayed most clearly it's because it reveals God to us. It reveals what he is like. The cross reveals God to us. And just as in the Old Testament, God's glory uh, was displayed when he made himself known, when he appeared uh, to the people. So at the cross, more than anywhere else, we see what God is like. And it, it's a bit like the difference between um, Knowing that someone is a good plumber from their website and from experience. Let me explain. Um, you could know that someone is a good plumber from their website. You could know something about that. You know, you, you, your boiler's bust. Uh, you need a plumber. And so you go online, you Google good plumber in my area, and you, and you sort of search through reviews on the websites. And the websites all mostly say the same thing, don't they? You know, uh, professional, um, efficient, reliable uh, good value, yeah, right. Um, all those sorts of things on their website, and you think, oh, okay, um, I think I can trust that, that this person would be a good person to fix my boiler. But you don't really know, do you, until they've come to your house, fixed your boiler, and your heating's working again, and you experience the warmth of the fixed boiler. You can know something by looking at the website, but to know truly, they've got to they've got to show up, they've got to do the job. It's a little bit like that, I think, uh, with God. See, God tells us what he's like, doesn't he? But he doesn't just tell us what he's like. He then turns up and shows us what he's like on the cross. So God tells us, doesn't he, that he is both just and merciful. He tells us that. We can know it. But at the cross, he shows us that he is both just and merciful as he punishes sin in his son so that he might give eternal life to sinners. God tells us that he is love. We can know that because he tells us. But at the cross, he shows us his love as he gives up the most precious thing he has to redeem sinners. God tells us he's sovereign over all things, Everything is in his control. And yet it's at the cross that he shows us that. 
He shows us that he can take even the most horrific event uh, in all of history and use it for his saving purposes. He shows us all that and more at the cross. The cross is where we see at what God is like so that we might know him because knowing him is eternal life. So God is glorified as he saves and as he makes the Father known. And in doing both of those things, God is finishing the work that his Father sent him to do. Look at verse 4. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. The work of saving and the work of making the Father known. Now you might think it's a bit strange for Jesus uh, to put it that way the day before he goes to the cross. But, but he's seeing it all as one. He's, he's including at the work he's doing, he's about to do on the cross. He's looking forward uh, to, the, to tomorrow when he will say, uh, it is finished. He finishes the work that God gave him to do. And that's why Jesus prays, glorify your son, that your son may glorify you. Because it will not only give life to many, but it will, it will ultimately reveal what the Father is like so that the Father is glorified. Two, two big implications for us then. Um, what, what, what does this mean for us? I think one, just very simply, if, if you want to see God's glory, look at the cross. If you wouldn't call yourself a Christian and you're still trying to get your head round what Christianity is all about, you've got to look at the cross. And if you haven't seen the glory of the cross, you can't know God. Because it is the cross where you encounter God's glory, where he makes himself known and where he saves. But um, maybe you have been a Christian a while, um, but you're just a bit grown a bit dull um, to Christian things. It doesn't, doesn't thrill you in the same way uh, that it used to. Life sort of has a way of getting busy and, and, and taking over, doesn't it? If that's you, then, then think more on the cross and pray that God would show you uh, more of its glory, more of his glory at the cross because there is nothing more glorious. There is nothing better you could do with your time than think more on the cross. And we will spend, uh, if you're a Christian, you will spend all eternity praising God for the cross. Why not start now? So look to the cross if if you want to see uh, God's glory. Secondly then, um, trust in the cross, because that is where God is glorified. God is not um, impressed or glorified chiefly through our achievements and those things that we want to hang on our wall or whatever those would be. Um, However great they are, whatever difference they've made, um, that is not ultimately what brings glory to God because God is glorified at the cross. And therefore he's glorified in us as we look to the cross for life. Maybe it feels like um, lots of things in your life are, are heading in the wrong direction. I don't know, at work, 
um, family, health, uh, whatever it is, everything, everything's, the, the glory days that were our fading, uh, a distant memory. Maybe you've never thought of yourself as uh, particularly impressive. Well, none of those things ultimately matter to God. And if you cling to the cross, whatever your life looks like now, you will bring God glory. That's good news, isn't it? That we can bring God glory, no matter our circumstances, by clinging to the cross, because it is the cross where he is glorified. It is, the, it, it is clinging to the cross by which we say, Lord, I, I bring nothing uh, to you, but you have, you have provided everything that I need. I'm going to trust uh, that the cross is where you have done all that I cannot do. And we, we never move past uh, the cross, do we? Uh, whether you've been a Christian five minutes or 50 years we keep coming back to the cross because it is the cross where Jesus, God, is glorified and it is glorious. So uh, would you join me in praying that we might do that together? Lord God, it is an extraordinary thing that you would choose to display your glory on the cross. Father, we confess that we don't always see that and we, we look for the things that are impressive. We seek first our own glory. But we thank you that at the cross, you give us life. You make yourself known as you display your glory. Father, would you help us to see more of that glory at the cross, to marvel at it and to cling to it for the sake of your glory. Amen.